This is WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Sam Huddleston is with us today from the city of Murfreesboro, the assistant city manager. How are you this morning? Scott, I'm very well, thank you. It's uh, nice out there today. It feels good. It is. We, um, we enjoyed the cooler weather over the Memorial Day weekend um, and are looking forward to moving into summer. Definitely. And uh, we've had a few days that have kind of felt like summer. <laughs> so what all is happening this time of year with the city of Murfreesboro? So the biggest thing probably on the, on the city's um, agenda uh, for the next uh, past couple of weeks and the next couple of weeks would be passing our uh, next fiscal year budget. Mayor and Council met on Thursday night, passed it on first reading, and we manage and budget for about 10 specific funds, but three or, three or four of those are, are notable to probably our uh, listening audience this morning. And so we passed a general fund budget on first reading that equals about $283 million. Our city school budget was $123 million. Our water resources department was um, $59.7 million. And those are the ones that, um, that most people watch. We have some other funds that we, we budget separately, track separately. For example, our airport fund. Um, and those are um, that budget is being uh, recommended and passed without a proposed um, tax increase at the city level. Now, I, I know one of the things that has been discussed in recent months is MTSU moving their fleet of airplanes and classroom space from Murfreesboro to Shelbyville. Of course, that may be over a year in the making because they don't even have the buildings built yet in Shelbyville. So uh, we, we had a workshop on Friday with the airport commission and received a, um, a, a brief update on the progress of MTSU's movement to Shelville. And there are some agreements in place and some other activities there at the airport and with the um, local elected bodies there in Shelville. And so we're expecting that that's probably a three to five year process based on the update from, from Friday. This will give the city of Murfreesboro more space at the airport because right now the airport's landlocked and there's not a lot of room to grow. There's not a lot of room to grow. Uh, we, we are also looking at the airport layout plan. We'll be considering that in the next several months, um, which will allow us to make some improvements there, make some changes. Um, and really the thing that we're looking to tie down is MTSU's schedule and their timeline for moving to uh, to Shelbyville. And until we get some more firm information on that, we're, we're going to hold off on updating our airport layout plans. Exercise we go through every few years. So as far as the layout of the airport, uh, do you expect to change a lot of it as far as the way the hangars currently sit, or is it just going to be you know more of a minor change? We have some area adjacent to the airport and actually just added a few acres there at the south end of McKnight Park uh, that we would use for hangar uh, and other airport developments. We have a a long waiting list for hangar space and uh, there are some opportunities there for us to uh, provide some additional hangar space for our our aviation fans here in Murfreesboro. 
Again, Sam Huddleston with us today with the city of Murfreesboro, the assistant city manager. Now, I know there's also a lot of talk going on right now about that proposed impact fee that actually passed. And uh, that impact fee will help fund, I would guess, a lot of additional projects. But more than that is going to help to fund different departments within the city that provide services to residents. Yes, uh, the impact fee was considered at the uh, council meeting on May the uh, 25th on first reading, and it was divided into four separate categories of funding, roads and streets, parks and recreation, public safety, which would include our police and fire department, and then also city schools. And that was based on a... um, a study by a consultant that helped us justify the actual cost of growth in those four categories. And then they estimated the impact fee for a variety of uses, residential, for example, commercial, office, public, institutional, and industrial. And uh, impact fees were approved for each of those categories in our meeting on Thursday night. I think uh, probably one of the the more significant uh, recommendations from that or approvals from that meeting, the impact fee rate for single-family residential, the council approved staging that in over the next three years and starting out July the 1st of this year with $1.50 per square foot that would be collected at the time of certificate of occupancy. And then that would go up to $2 next year and then $2.50 in uh, July 1st of 2025. The apartments, um, that is a a one-time per unit fee of $7,624. And then uh, for some of our other uses, those vary, for example, The retail and commercial impact fee rate was set at $5,000 per 1,000 square feet. The office impact fee rate was at $1,932 per 1,000 square feet. Uh, Industrial was set at $984 per 1,000 square feet. And then public and institutional uses, $3,872 per 1,000 square feet. And so those would be levels that we would look at or impact fees that we would look at on a project by project basis. So going back to the apartment price, you said a little over $7,000. Was that going to be per apartment unit or was that overall? How did that break down again? Yes, that's uh, per apartment unit or per dwelling unit for for those projects that would be um, recognized as multifamily by our planning and building codes. So would condominiums be included in that or would that be totally separate and they'd pay that, you know, one to two dollar price per square foot? So um, we would look at at townhomes as uh, as the same way as single family residential. Generally, a townhome is it can be a, um, a fee simple purchase, but generally they're set up in a condominium form of ownership. So with the apartments, I know, you know, we always hear talk about how we want less rental properties and instead we want more home ownership. And it sounds like an impact fee of $7,000 plus per apartment unit, that would definitely slow down the growth of future apartments here. There were, yeah, there have been a few act, uh, things that have happened in the in the recent history that, that have impacted the um uh, one, the demand for for multifamily or apartment units, and then also the um, 
the cost of building those. And, and so uh, several years ago, our city council adopted a sewer allocation ordinance because of some strain on our uh, sanitary sewer system, both the collection system that are, that's out in neighborhoods and also at the uh, treatment plant uh, based on our permitting capacity. So that had an impact on the ability to accommodate uh, high density residential with our sewer system. The impact fee will have an impact on that. Then also our mayor and council, they've adopted a vision of less multifamily. And so they, in recent years, have approved less planning and zoning applications for that multifamily use. And whenever an apartment complex or let's say a a new neighborhood is built in the city of Murfreesboro, as an example, if it's built around uh, Sportscom, is the money generated by the impact fee, is it going to stay in that specific area or does it go to like a general fund where it covers all the departments at the same time or is it only to be used in that specific area of where that project is being built? I think there's a good question, Scott, on how we intend to uh, track and use the use the money and so our uh, justification study for the impact fee it identified the actual cost of us providing those increased services the impact fee can only be used for things that are added or built as a response to growth Uh, so we would not for example use it for operation and maintenance cost We could only use it for expansions or new facilities, for example. And so the the mayor and council and city administration, we will determine how those funds would be applied on specific projects. Based on the current growth pattern that we're seeing, have there been any estimates on about how much the city expects to receive in impact fee funding over the first one year to five years? So we I did estimate um, for our council the the revenues that we would expect based on the the rates that were established this past uh, council meeting, and for roads and streets we expect to collect about three to three and a half million dollars per uh, year for parks and recreation. That number would look like maybe one point five to two million dollars per year for public safety. to $2 million a year there as well. And then for our school system, that looks like that would also be at about $1.5 to $2 million per year. So overall, this uh, impact fee would collect perhaps six to eight million dollars per year for those various funds if any portion of the impact fee tends to hurt business more than help business is there any recourse put into place where we can go back and say well we need to revisit this and maybe take away these fees here or deduct x amount of money from this and not charge as much so yeah so the mayor and council would always have the opportunity to review those and in fact that that conversation came up not specifically to the business side but to the residential side and there was a a good healthy debate between our members of our council um, as they discussed what rates to apply to single-family residential understanding the impact that this would put on the cost of a, a new home for example and so there was a real strong thought that that we needed to stage it in so the impacts could be moderated over the next few years and that we could also revisit those fees as we see the impact that they have on on those areas. From our building 
data, we know that a typical uh, single-family home in Murfreesboro is about 2,500 square feet. And so, uh, you know, $1.50 puts about $3,750 of additional cost on the, uh, the cost of a new home. About $3,750 per home if somebody's planning to build a new home of 2,500 square feet here in Murfreesboro is, is what they would end up paying for that impact fee. That's correct. Is this going to hurt the idea of building affordable housing? Because I know affordable housing is always in the equation and you always hear people talking about it here in Murfreesboro. So uh, affordable housing uh, really is a, um, a category that it's really hard to put your hands around and, and fully manage and measure and comprehend all of that. But what we would say uh, is that our, our, our staff look at affordable housing uh, is that it generally probably doesn't come from the single family market, that it would likely come from something like uh, townhomes or apartment complexes, something a little bit higher density so that the per unit cost can go down. And, and in fact, the market tells us that as we look at uh, historically in the last few years, how many of those types of uh, housing units have been built versus the traditional single family. Again, Sam Huddleston with us this morning with the city of Murfreesboro. And for folks listening, once that impact fee is initially paid on the new construction of a home or a business, it's no longer paid after that. So once the business sells or the property sells, you don't pay another impact fee. That's correct. This would be based on new growth, new development. Uh, if I could say it this way, new building square footage would be the the actual measurement that we would base our fee on. Uh, and that would include expansion, certain expansions of businesses and residential. If you're adding square footage to your single family home, there would be a per square foot charge just like new construction and again when is the focus date of this actually going into place the effective date that was approved by council uh, is july the 1st 2023 so any project that would come in for permitting on or after july the 1st of this year uh, the impact fee would apply Um, typical projects take six to nine months uh, to construct and so the fees would not really uh, start coming in and uh, for the next six months to nine months based on uh, on those construction schedules so we, we really won't get to see the uh, full impact of the rates that we have uh, for a year or so uh, until we start seeing some of those permits actually turn into occupancies so we, we really won't get to see the uh, full impact of the rates that we have uh, for a year or so Uh, until we start seeing some of those permits actually turn into occupancies. Again, Sam Huddleston with us this morning. Now, on the same topic of growth, we are seeing a lot of activity in downtown Murfreesboro, uh, one being the site of the old First Methodist Church, although it does seem like construction has slowed considerably there. What What is happening in downtown Murfreesboro with new, not only living space, but also office space and retail space? Uh, so we, you know, we're seeing uh, a continued interest in several projects in the downtown area. Um, I think recently some of their challenges have really been re- related to changes in lending, uh, changes in the financing market, and so uh, many of the projects are 
re-looking at how to how to fund or finance their projects uh, and some of that was based on the action of of the federal government and the federal reserve as they have changed uh, money policy at the at the federal level and of course that reflects into uh, the lending institutions and banks and so it's uh, it's, it's changed many of them are, are re-looking at how they finance that and repackaging uh, those projects um, uh, to seek loan approvals and, and we've noticed that in in three or four significant projects one east college for example uh, and the broad street projects both looking at um, at financing how they're going to finance those projects but those projects uh, as far as you know are still on go and progress is i guess still being made yes they're they're continuing the developers are continuing to pursue those projects and working with the city and then uh, through city administration working with the mayor and council to uh, to finalize those approvals and those agreements and when it comes to property values here locally, I understand you recently heard from uh, Rutherford County Property Assessor Rob Mitchell about property values, and, and we've seen a lot of increases in those values, especially for homeowners. Yes, uh, uh, Rob Mitchell did share with us a few uh, few days back uh, preliminary numbers on uh, uh, the city of Murfreesboro's um, tax base. And um, I, we, we like to consider those numbers and just see uh, what they look like over time. And, and um, you know, I see in this report that uh, the tax assessor has um, valued the tax base in Murfreesboro for real property at uh, just over $24 billion. And that results in about um, just over $7 billion of assessed value, which is what we calculate and collect our our city property taxes on and so here in murfreesboro we're going to continue to see that number go up at least that's that would be the the good thing to see the number continue to go up Uh, otherwise we're going in the wrong direction Uh, yes uh you know the year over year growth from uh from projects that are being built those get added to our our base and then as the uh, property values change over time and are reappraised uh you know that shifts the base uh and and our tax rate shifts with that as you as you'll recall from having uh mr mitchell and others in who 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 talk about uh property taxes and and reappraisals and the um uh you know the process that's established there Um, what what we do know is that the city of murfreesboro relies uh, pretty strongly on property tax it represents about 25 percent of our general fund revenue so uh, that um, seven billion in assessed value helps fund uh, city government and it's usually a very stable um, tax base for us uh, where the sales tax can go up and down based on the level of economic activity in our region. So do you have a, a breakdown on what, let's say, for example, last year's property value was on maybe a 2,500-square-foot home and what that person paid in property taxes to the city versus to you know this upcoming year, or I guess it would be at the end of this year, what they will end up paying in property taxes for that same 2,500 square foot home. I don't have that specific information. This is bulk information. It's divided into the various uses, uh, residential, industrial, um, uh, green belt, uh, commercial, industrial, education. But I don't have the very specific information on uh, on a year-by-year comparison of, of uh, the same properties. 
Now, as we continue to see the growth here, we're going to see more new roads and we're going to see changes with roadways. One of those being Rutherford Boulevard, which is eventually going to go over I-24, connect to Warrior Drive. And then we also have BC Road, which is out there where Costco is located and uh, also the RV dealership. And that roadway is going to go all the way through and go over Stones River and eventually connect to River Rock Boulevard in that direction. Yes, uh, two examples, um, Scott, of of what we like to refer to as a local traffic option. Um, And with our 2016, uh, in 2016, we updated our major transportation plan, and, and there were several themes out of the projects and the recommendations of that update. Uh, and and uh, if you lived in Murfreesboro, Rutherford County very long, you realize that the interstates uh, become a uh, impediment to good east-west movement of traffic. Uh, the Stones River, which intertwines uh, uh, in and around the interstate and its tributaries, the creeks and streams, and then also CSX Railroad, those offer uh, barriers to road connectivity in our community. And the way that we deal with those barriers generally involves bridges. Um, and bridges over those um, uh, those barriers. The two projects you talked about, uh, the bridge, the River Rock BZ Connector, that, that project has been uh, authorized for construction. They're actually moving, moving dirt as we speak, and uh, we would expect maybe uh, 15 to 18 months uh, for that to be open to traffic. Um, and that's really phase one of that connector, which would uh, eventually cross Interstate 24 as well, connecting to New Salem Highway um, in the uh, CUD, Middle Tennessee Electric, office area. Uh, so uh, if you're in that Cason Lane, River Rock, Cason Trail area, uh, this would give you an option for traffic to be able to go from uh, where your home is into the downtown area without going through an interstate interchange. Um, and so we know our interchanges are already heavily uh, loaded with traffic trying to get across our city as well as trying to get on and off of the interstate. So those local options really help relieve traffic at the interchange and also help to provide a more efficient uh, way to move uh, uh, for the local residents who, who really are not looking to get on the interstate. When looking at the layout of the city of Murfreesboro compared to other cities of similar size across the nation, it seems like Murfreesboro has a lot more interchanges along the interstate, both I-840 and I-24, than what other areas may see in their community with interstates going through their towns. It's a, it's an interesting uh, dynamic uh, with our interstate system. Uh, new interchanges um, have to receive approval of the Federal Highway Administration, and they're looking for a justification of how this interchange will help improve regionally uh, regional traffic. Um, and so um, each one of those requires a, a, a thorough study and evaluation and then approval by that body. Uh, and Scott, uh, you would recall when we only had two interstate interchanges on I-24 um, and through some activities by the city and uh, TDOT, we were able to authorize uh, additional interchanges, Joe B. Jackson, New Salem Highway, uh, Medical Center Parkway, uh, and then on 840, uh, Veterans Parkway. Those were the first four additions to our interchanges from on our interstate system since um, the interstate was constructed through Rutherford County in the, in the late 60s and 70s. And so we're also adding um, Cherry Lane Interchange on 
I-840, and that project would, would provide us another interchange uh, to interact with that traffic. And we have several others that we're studying and looking at, but all of those would require uh, approval of, of TDOT and then the Federal Highway Administration. Now, I, I know we've heard recent talks about how that Cherry Lane extension and, and that project uh, coincides with the daylighting of Town Creek, uh, something about an exchange of watershed points or something along those lines in the state of Tennessee. Uh, so I guess I, I'm curious, where do we stand now on that daylighting of Town Creek and then also that extension of Cherry Lane and, and how do they fit together? So um, maybe we'll start with Cherry Lane. Cherry Lane Phase 3, which is... Uh, um, the actual interchange and the roadways coming to the interchange on 840. We're actively pursuing right-of-way acquisition, and so uh, property owners along that route um, have or should soon be hearing from our real estate agents on um, uh, on our acquisition of that right-of-way. Um, Cherry Lane Phase 2 uh, has a, a significant environmental impact uh, in that uh, Richard Siegel soccer complex area. Um, and, and as we look at that area, your eye tells you that it's wet, uh, has streams and wetlands. And so when we impact those uh, types of water resources, the state of Tennessee and the, and the federal government require that we mitigate those impacts uh, by providing... Uh, uh, benefits or increases in those resources somewhere else hopefully it's in our community generally it might be in the middle tennessee area and so uh, we have a permitting exercise we're working through to mitigate the impacts to wetlands and streams and town creek has been proposed uh, to be a part of that mitigation plan uh, and so those two projects are joined at the hip, if you will. Although they may not execute in the same time frame, uh, we would look to mitigate the impacts in the Cherry Lane area with some work on Town Creek. And for anybody who's not familiar with Town Creek, that is, well, it basically starts behind Murphy's Discovery Center, the Murphy Spring Wetland, and then the creek, which is actually underground from that point all the way over to Cannonsburg, that creek would be then daylighted and wouldn't be underground anymore. Correct. And... Um you know, Murphy Springs uh, and a smaller, less known Sand Springs was Murfreesboro's first water source, really community water source. And, and uh, if we were to go back into time when uh, Murfreesboro was settled where it is today in the courthouse square and all of that, having a reliable water source would have been a, uh, an important factor for for those looking to settle here. And so um, uh, it's my thought that, that those um, uh, original settlers understood the importance of water and identified Murphy Springs as, as potentially that source. And, um, and as we know, over time, it served as a city's uh, water supply for many years. We had a water tra- treatment plant there. And I'm, I'm telling you all that to say that, the, that that's been a, a very significant source of water in our community from when Murfreesboro was founded in the early 1800s um, in uh, and it also became part of what we now refer to as the historic bottoms but then was referred to as the bottoms and really it was a flood prone area a very depressed uh, socioeconomic area and um, and so when when Broad Street was proposed by TDOT in the 1950s there was a companion urban renewal project that was the historic bottoms urban renewal and wound up putting town creek in a culvert system uh, raising the elevation of the ground in that area by six eight 
to 10 feet. So we know today that Town Creek lies about 10 feet below the surface along Hickerson Drive and Broad Street. And so our project would look to remove it from that culverting system that's about 70 years old now. Uh, and, and perhaps seeing the end of its useful life. Uh, so we, were, we would be able to uh, deal with that, that aging infrastructure, but then also provide an, a, um, an increase to the uh, Town Creek's um, environmental significance. In other words, we would give it lift and, and create a more environmentally robust stream through there than, than what is there today. Hey, and so with this daylighting of Town Creek project going through the bottoms area, this is going to really change the in, entire facade of downtown Murfreesboro in a lot of ways, because you're talking about taking down old businesses that I guess the city has already purchased and maybe there's more purchases to be made, but turning it into a park-like setting with a stream. So we have um, acquired, targeted um, eight properties that will be impacted by Town Creek, and we've acquired uh, many of those have agreements with the owners on times for them to move out, giving them giving them opportunity to, to make arrangements for their new locations. And it is impactful to those businesses, and we know that. Uh, the, the project, however, because of the age of the infrastructure, um, uh, is something that's critical to our community. Uh, we, we already know... Um, that we we have deficiencies in that system. We had a collapse of the system um, in the 2007 time frame in the drive-through of KFC. If you remember when KFC was on South Church, and and so from that exercise and from the follow-up inspections, um, you know we realized that there was a significant. Um, cost liability on the city if we had to replace that culverting system the way it is today. And so we made a, uh, a, a decision even back in the 2008 time frame to try to pursue this idea of daylighting Town Creek. Um, the benefits to the community, though, is it, it's an opportunity to make a place in our downtown area uh, to recognize the significance of the historic bottoms. And so it, you know, it gives us a place uh, where we could have something to see, uh, something to do, uh, pro provide shade, provide comfort, provide activities and amenities, and activate that space. Um, and, and most people enjoy being uh, adjacent to water. Uh, around running water and so we'd look to take advantage of the daylighting of town creek to do that again sam huddleston with us this morning assistant city manager and we will take a short break and then be right back and talk more about changes and new things happening right here in murfreesboro in just a second so make sure you stay with us if you have any questions you can text those questions to us at 615-893-1450 Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. WGNS is powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. MTE has a solar expert and energy services supervisor to help its members understand if solar is right for them and help members avoid possible scams from outside parties. Learn more at mte.com slash prosolar. Hi, this is Dan at Music World and Drummer's Den. 
We have guitars. We have more guitars than just about anybody in town. We have electric guitars, acoustic guitars, ukuleles, all stringed instruments. We have banjos, violins. We've got it all. And you say, oh, well, what else do you have? Well, it turns out we have keyboards as well. Do we have drums? We are Music World and Drummer's Den. 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders, like our pastas and many other items, that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant. 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Gilbert worked in retail and restaurant management for 14 years. It was time for a change. I recognized where I was at was vulnerable to the whims of the economy. Then he heard about my computer career. Gilbert went for it. In as little as seven months, I got all of my certifications at a fraction of a cost for college. He became an IT pro in just months with zero experience at mycomputercareer.edu. I can work from anywhere. I have more time for my family as well. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. This is one student's experience. Individual results vary. Whether you own a local business or a global one, you know that these days, generating growth is a challenge. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll not just stay ahead of the curve, you'll move it. With access to experts, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter, locally and globally. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Copyright 2023 Bank of America N.A. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This morning, we're talking about the city of Murfreesboro. Sam Huddleston is on the air with us this morning. He is the assistant city manager for the city. And we've been talking about a variety of projects. And uh, one of the other projects that we heard a lot about, then the uh, excitement kind of died off very quickly. That was the Legacy Sports Complex. It was supposed to be built on Broad Street near the I-840 interchange. And from from what I understand, that has almost completely died out if not completely. Yes, so um, the development group, um, as you'll recall, Scott, had um, a a significant development interest in Arizona. That project was taking on some financial struggles, and so they focused their attention on getting that project back on track and uh, allowed their real estate options here in Murfreesboro to expire. And so we've we've not heard from that development group since um, those options expired, and we were working through with them, you know, traffic analysis and those sorts of things. But but as far as we know, um, they're not going to be able to pursue a project in in Murfreesboro. And has any other company or organization come along with interest to develop that property? Which is if you're driving down Broad Street to the left of Bumpus Harley-Davidson and right before I-840? We've received nothing official. We receive inquiries all the time about properties that are uh, feelers, I guess I would say, and 
and, and testing the water, but we, we've had nothing official submitted on that property. I do understand that, that maybe there's a um, an interest in the family for something to happen out there, and so they'll be looking for a partner in the, the development of that and, and perhaps bringing something before us uh, in the very near future. We, we have a uh, desire to study um, more broadly the land use and infrastructure needs in that area. Cherry Lane will be a game changer for that area. Um, and as you might expect, uh, Scott, when 840 was proposed and the city looked at that area, we anticipated some significant growth along that corridor. However, uh, the landowners um, there have not were not motivated to develop or sell their property. They were content to hold their properties. And so instead of something happening out there immediately following 840, it's actually taken some time for, for any of that property to be proposed for development. Uh, I think uh, that's worked to our advantage. It gives us an opportunity to look at that corridor between Murfreesboro and Smyrna maybe uh, reimagine it, revision it. And so work with Cherry Lane, we have a, um, a proposal in our budget to do a, a detailed land use plan and infrastructure plan study to respond to what we think will be the growth and development pressures on that area. Another big project is a concert venue on Medical Center Parkway, and I know that was another one of those projects that had a lot of steam in the beginning, then it kind of died off, and then all of a sudden it came back. So where do we stand with having that amphitheater, and I know part of it's indoors, part outdoors on Medical Center Parkway near the the latest Murfreesboro Fire Hall? Yes, yeah, so that uh, pro- that project is proposed on Medical Center property on about 20 acres that the city sold to a development group called Notes Live. Uh, Notes Live is um, uh, they're working on their financing package as we speak, and we're hopeful to see some updates and progress on their financing package in the next few weeks, um, which will allow them to move forward with the construction. It did involve a uh, the, the uh, indoor restaurant, indoor event venue that they called Boot Barn Hall uh, that would accommodate about uh, four to 500 for a uh, concert, and then an outdoor amphitheater, which was sunset on the river, and that would uh, accommodate about 4,000, uh, 4,500 uh, with fixed seating in some locations and then lawn seating uh, for the balance of that. Um, the development group that uh, proposed that notes live, uh, they're opening their Gainesville, Georgia project uh, in June, as I understand it. So we're looking to uh, see the progress on that ev- that indoor venue. That's just the indoor side of it. doesn't include the amphitheater. Uh, but they're moving forward with the project there and expect a grand opening there um, next month. Again, Sam Huddleston on the air with us. We only have a minute left, but with that project, are we also going to see some changes on Medical Center Parkway because there has been concern about emergency vehicles being able to actually navigate Medical Center Parkway, and there's been some problems with that. So our um, uh, public infrastructure department, Chris Griffith, Michelle Emerson, um, uh, they're working on um, a three-phase project for improvements to Medical Center Parkway. Those have been on our books, uh, something we've been planning for several, uh, actually, uh, for since we proposed Medical Center Parkway, 
we initially uh, built it for two lanes in each direction and had a, uh, a vision of seeing it widen to three lanes. And some of the work is proceeding. Uh, the city has started a, uh, an initial phase of that. If you're familiar with Gresham Park Drive, uh, we're adding that third lane uh, from Gresham Park Drive westward toward uh, the interstate. Uh, that would go by the Chamber of Commerce and also by uh, the Williamson Farm. Um, and we're, we're working on that now, and that, that project's underway. Uh, so phase one would be from Thompson Lane to I-24. Phase two would be from Thompson Lane to Fire Station 4, the Fountains area. And then phase three would be from that area on up to Broad Street, in, improving the um, traffic capacity of that uh, significant corridor to us. Again, Sam Huddleston, our guest this morning with the City of Murfreesboro. Sam, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Scott. That's going to do it for today's show. Right now, 9 o'clock, we have local news and more coming your way next. Hey, fellas, need an annual health exam for work or just to start the year prioritizing your health? I recommend Low T Center to get your complete health assessment. They check all your levels, not just your testosterone. Typically, it's completely covered by most health insurance, and if you don't have insurance, it's less than 100 bucks for full labs and an office visit with the provider. Low T Center specializes in men's health, making it quick and easy. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.